Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rouge Rugby Podcast. I'm Shiva Hardy and joined as always by Derek Brissett. Derek, how have you been? Oh man, not too bad. Uh, pretty uh, pretty enjoyable weekend. Uh, Ken Men's team got a W. That's always fun. Um, women's team, a bit of a tough match. Um, some championships going around, Coastal Cup, U Sports. Um, so pretty exciting, uh, exciting week in Canadian rugby. Uh, you know, kind, kind of funny though, like scrolling through Twitter, sort of like the uh, um, just before we're recording, looking at the weather for, uh, I mean, it's probably, I mean, the game's going to happen by the time that this comes out, but the uh, yeah. the Mexico Canada World Cup qualifier in Edmonton right now being played in like minus 14 uh, and snow. It's hilarious. I love it. Um, yes. Game hasn't quite started yet. Every sport's better with snow. Man, it's like we should we should have it. MLR needs to embrace this, man. Those cold weather, those cold weather cities with the uh, the long road trips to start, man. Rug play playing. I, I don't know. I, I remember the arrows not having the uh, best of luck when they were playing in the snow in 2019. So, yeah, but uh, how much fun was that game? Uh, for the arrows, <laughs> probably not that not much. for the arrows, not so much. But man, people enjoyed it. I liked yeah. um. There's, I guess, is it the rugby network that's doing that? Like like submit like the coldest fo- photo in like MLR history yes, thing on like social that. media right now. And I've seen like a bunch of, so there's some like one, there's some really cool pictures that are being submitted to that Um with uh no, obviously there's some great photographers that are working around MLR, but it's like, most of them are like stuff of like guys doing like super cool things. Or like, I think I saw one that was like Seattle, like Seattle celebrating that they won the championship with all the sad San Diego fans in the background. Um, as like one of them, there's a cool one with like Kyle Bailey at like the entrance of like Nola's tunnel. But I saw like somebody did respond with like the picture of like Dan Moore, just like freezing in a, like a foot of snow in the middle of Colorado for that one game. So whereas as Leah, I think yeah, the literal coldest photo in uh, MLR history. Yeah. Well, any uh, Arrows fan will know that that was a nilled game. No, yeah, no, but, it's not uh, not a great not not a great outcome, but yeah, not a great you know outcome. What, but that's the one thing, though, man. It's like people. It's a it's a memorable game because of the snow, though. And it, well, that's the thing. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. That was a nilled game, and now from one nilled game to another, we go to Canada's match against Belgium that happened this Saturday. Uh, the final score: Belgium nil, Canada twenty-four. So. Another win, always nice to see, regardless of who the opposition is. Um, so we'll talk about the scoring first. We had uh, two tries, one from uh, Corey Thomas, the other one from Ross Brody. There was uh, one conversion, that was on uh, Thomas's try, and a penalty from uh, Robbie Povey, and then three extra penalties from Spencer Jones. But there was some controversy in this game. Uh, Michael Smith got a red card in the 18th minute, shoulder to a head in the clear out. Um, I've seen the, well, I saw the game, so I obviously <laughs> found out. And it was really weird because they had TMO, but they didn't have the ability to replay the video for uh, viewers at home. So as such, you were just going off what the TMO was saying and what the referee was saying. And the way uh, the referee described it, it did sound very red cardish. And then thanks to Brian Ray, who uh, posted a clip on Twitter and I saw it as like, mm, yeah, that's a, that's a straight red card. Can't really uh, argue with that's that, unfortunately. I mean, he has clearly been under the influence of uh, Chris Robshaw, who famously last <laughs> year was 
getting banned before the start of the season for San Diego. And now it seems that uh, Smith may be going in the same way. Obviously, we have to wait on the uh, um, official hearing before that. But, uh, you know, maybe there's some things you should learn from uh, Rob Shaw, Michael, and some things you shouldn't. And maybe this we should. Um, is that is wasn't Rob Shaw only... known for getting a lot of red cards? Is that is that a thing? No, but he did have that big thing with getting banned because he broke COVID regulations. Yeah, for the that, that, that's not a red card. It has nothing to do with a red card. That's not a red card, but it, it, it does get you banned from matches. So I just don't understand why, why you're why you're blaming Rob Shaw for this one. I just, I just uh, don't see the correlation. It, it's it's a Welsh in me. Did, yeah, I, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. did the Harlequins the, beat like the Ospreys that one time? Or is that, is that what the... No, it, it's because he was the England captain. And that's why. Oh, right, right. I forgot. You guys are the same country, yet everyone hates each other. I forgot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember how How angry did I how uh, Canada's part of the United States? Yeah. I was going to say, how angry? Yeah. But uh, what's the, at the Olympics, though, we don't compete as North America, do we? I was just, how yeah. angry did I just make you by saying it's the same country? Uh, I've heard it so many times. It's water off a duck's back. Yeah. Uh, uh, Looking forward to the Commonwealth Games where England, Wales, and Scotland will be competing separately. The way it should be versus the... Uh, as it should be. As it should be. Yeah, the, uh, the Olympics. Wales versus their inferiors. Um, <laughs> okay, um, but that wasn't the only card in the game. Um, Eric Howard came on in the second half and within seven minutes picked up a yellow card himself, mm-hmm. which brought the Canucks down to 13 men. Um However, I will give credit where it's due. Belgium were just not able to capitalize at that point. So that is showing that Canada's defense was able to hold out. And this is the first washout since uh, February 22nd, 2019. Derek, do you know uh, who Canada were playing in that game? Uh, Without yeah, looking at the was, notes. Uh, I think we, ta- we talked about it once or twice over the past yeah. uh, couple of weeks here. Um, yeah, Kanoa Lloyd had a hat trick and uh, Canada beat Chile uh, 56 to nothing two years ago. Yeah. Remember when Which Canada I mean, could beat Chile? Granted that there's like a uh, like a global pandemic in between that. It's really like I think like you're saying that and like it's the first time Canada's got a shutout since 2019. But that's like that's really not that long of a time. Like that's well, it, it wasn't just that. There was a ho- there was a whole World Cup as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, the whole World Cup though was only like three games. Yeah. They didn't even true. get to play the fourth game because of the typhoon. Oh, they conceded no points in that game. So uh oh, there you go. Hey, there, there we go. go. Streaks going then. Streaks keeps yeah. going. <laughs> um so at the moment that puts King Lee Jones's record as head coach of Canada at 13 wins, one draw, and 26 losses. So for every game that he's won, there's also been two losses to go with it. Um, like I said, it was, uh, you know, a win. Great for the lads. I know we've been talking <laughs> about win, this man. for the uh, last couple of weeks of saying that we want the boys to end the year on a high. However, at the same time, uh, one win doesn't undo what yeah. can safely be regarded as Canada men's worst year of uh, rugby. No, yeah. It, I mean, I th- I think that is kind of like the two schools of thought, I guess, on it. I think it's a little bit, you know, looking at this game, I think there's a little bit of the uh, the big picture and kind of small picture sort of takes on it. I think for the small picture, um, you know, wh- when you look at this game and it's like you said, right, it's like th- this has been uh, 
what did you, what did you just say? Like with the worst year um, for the men's national team? Is that what? You, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So it's like that's which is probably correct, right? Obviously, failing to qualify for the World Cup, it's you know just it's I guess the lowest moment for the uh, men's national team. But I mean, I think as you kind of uh, you know looking back on the year as a whole, and you know th- there's some guys on the Canadian men's national team, um, you know, like the arrows guys went through a lot this year playing in Atlanta the whole time, uh, playing in Atlanta the entire season, maybe not as successful as an MLR season that they would have liked to have. Um, you know, there's uh, guys that played on Seattle or, you know, um, right. That like they, you know, struggled the entire year too. Um, right. Like, and you know, so there's guys that, you know, didn't really have that success at the club level, and then, you know, came to the international duty and then struggled throughout the entire, you know, test window. And, um, you know, the World Cup qualifiers didn't go as planned. And, you know, I think you kind of see like, uh, you know, that uh, Joe Harvey article with uh, Justice Sears Duru kind of talking about what it's been like for them to read some of like the comments and stuff like online or whatever. Um, and I think, you know, like you kind of said, it's like the the team – like the Belgian team, maybe not as strong a Belgian team as they would like to put on the pitch either. But at the end of the day, like a win, a win's a win. And I think when you kind of look at this game and it's like, it's really nice to kind of see them like at least, and from the perspective of the players, like end this season on like a high note. Right. And it's not even that they got the win, you know, it's, it's 24, nothing, as you said, you know, it's a shutout, right? And it's like, you know, no matter what level you're at, anytime you get a shutout, right? That's a good, that's a good performance, right? Like you get something to be definitely, it's a very tangible thing to be extremely happy about um, that you can kind of, you know, be a little bit proud of and say, yeah, like we, we shut out the team. And, you know, you kind of mentioned it's like, you know, Belgium and the fact that maybe Belgium was missing some of their best guys, but it's like, you can only play as we kind of mentioned before, right. You can only play the team that's put in front of you. Right. And this week it happened to be Belgium. Um, and I think you can kind of see it like on the players faces at the end of the game, right. Guys were like smiling and stuff again, which is nice to see. Um, it's nice that they, I, I just think it's nice to see that they, you know, don't have to necessarily wait for the MLR season to start. And it's like, you have something like as difficult as this year has been from the perspective of the players, they have something that they can like, you know, say like, Hey, like at least they, they ended the year with the win. Right. It's a, like, it, it can build some confidence. It's something positive to end the season on. Right. And, and I think that's a really good thing for the players as you know, just because, you know, obviously like they've struggled this and they've struggled this entire year. And I mean, you add some of maybe like the, the emotional and mental aspect of what this year has been like for, um, you know, a lot of people around the world this past two years, especially, right. Like it, you know, ending, you know, getting a nice, a big, like a 24, nothing win, a shutout win, um, you know, a game that, I mean, when was the last time we like, like, I guess maybe like the United States game in the first leg, but it's like, you know, it's nice to see. It's like, they were the better team for 80 minutes, um, even even despite the fact that they uh, they lost Michael Smith to a red card with just over an hour left in the game, right? And yeah. then obviously Eric Howard's yellow too, right? They're down to, you know, down down two men at one point in the game, and um, it's 
you know, so it's it's nice to see that, you know, there was a little bit of adversity that they still had to battle through in this game and come up with the win. But like, I agree with you, though, like, as you kind of said, like, that's kind of, I think, the small picture kind of look at it might be a little bit of a confidence boost for the individual players on the team. You know, you get a couple guys that get into their first games and stuff, you know, and stuff like that as well. Um, but uh, like you said, though, the big picture is that, you know, a win, a win doesn't erase or change the fact that there's a lot of problems. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, with the, that's my, that's my concern is that yeah. they're going to look at 24 nil and, see that as the no 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 no. like but like i think that's band-aid over everything no yeah and and it really shouldn't be like i i it's it's night i i think it's great to end the season on a win um it's a a, right i think it's great to end the season on a win um no matter who the opposition is it's night It, it it is great um but yeah like i don't it a win doesn't change the fact that there's definitely problems uh, with the organization, um, you know, I think, you know, there still might be, need to be adjustments. Um, maybe some persons, uh, there still might need to be some personnel adjustments, um, some strategic adjustments. Um, I even think like, you know, you kind of look um, to the organization as a whole, right. And, you know, just like the small, like elements of like, like there needs to be a little bit of a bump in like professionalism and things like that as well. Right. Like this is the the second week in a row that the, they post rugby Canada posted like the, the, uh, the match day info, right. Like the lineup, the broadcast information with the wrong kickoff time right? yeah. for the second week in a row. And even and with- also the fact that they announced a roster change during the yeah, game. Yeah. So, so, Brock Webster had to go to the hospital before the game from what it sounds like. And they put Povey in, but yeah, like there was, I think even like following the game, like on uh, the tribe app at points, it was still saying like Webster was kicking the, uh, like the penalties and stuff. And, you know, kind of like looking at um, like watching the game, like it's clearly Povey the whole time, but yeah, that, that, um, that announcement that there's a roster change didn't, um, uh, didn't come until I think like the 70th minute of the game or something like that like or whenever that was but yeah there's that um but it's it is though like one of those things that is ultimately also kind of it's a little concerning to see right like that happened two weeks in a row um there's been like you know there's been issues with like guys appearing on the lineup card twice like once as a starter once in the bench um or even guys appearing at like the wrong positions or players names spelt wrong and stuff like that right yeah um and it's like even though even though the tweets get deleted and maybe it's like they're anytime it's put out it's still like it's up long enough for people to notice right and it's like yeah you know and it and it does go to show you that there are there is things that do need to be that need to be changed within rugby canada but um like so like yeah the win the win doesn't hide that i don't think the win should hide that or mask it but i also don't think especially for the players like they should they should be proud of the win and like they should be able to like enjoy it a little bit and it's like you know it's uh it's you know things aren't going to change necessarily overnight but it's um you know it doesn't like you said it does it doesn't change the big picture that there is things that need to be addressed and there's changes that need to be made but it's nice to see the players have a smile on their face again and uh you know being able to kind of enjoy a win and you know at least end the season on a high and maybe maybe that builds some uh some positive vibes and a little bit of momentum for them moving forward as Canada, you know, now that this year is done, you know, the goal really does transition to like, what do you, you know, next year looking at 2022 and 
you know, start starting the process to uh, get back to the World Cup um, for 2027 and work on winning, you know, aim toward winning that qualifier and, you know, getting back, uh, you know, getting back like on on top and stuff. Like I said, it's like, um, you know, you kind of look at it, it's like Chile and Portugal are teams that we would never lose to. Right. And it's like both of them, both those countries handed the hand in Canada their first loss. And, uh, you know, even like looking at Belgium and it's like it's a depleted Belgium team. And, uh, you know, it's a depleted Bel- it's a depleted Belgium team. And it's like it's 24 nothing. And, you know, Canada should have won that game. And it's nice to see that they, they did win that game. Right. Because sometimes that's, you know, sometimes you kind of look at, uh, you know, in sports and you end up like there's sometimes games where you're going to be, you going to be the favorite and you probably Canada as much as Canada struggled, Canada probably would still be like a betting favorite in a game like this. So nice to see that they can get the win and just, you know, like I said, I, I just hope it's uh, like a little bit of like the players. I just like seeing some like smiles back on the faces of some guys and hopefully, yeah, you know, it, it's nice to, you know, a bit of a morale boost for the actual players on the team, even though, uh, you know, there still is certain things that need to happen. Uh, great to see, like, you know, Corey Thomas, just a try scoring machine. Um, yeah. lovely, lovely setup from Ben Lesage on the, on the play, too. Um, nice to see him kind of get the, get a nice big line break um, and, you know, set up that try because that was, that was brilliant from him. And then um, Ross Brody kind of chasing down his own box kick, too. It was kind of great. And, uh, you know, pouncing on for that try. And, uh, you know, Povey did well with the boot in order to, um, you know, add a couple extra points on the board, keep the scoreboard ticking over. So, um, I mean, was it a perfect game? No, but it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to see the win. I hope, uh, you know, I hope the players get a little bit of time off before um, MLR training camp starts up again and, um, you know, can kind of maybe enjoy a little bit of time off, get uh, mentally reset a little bit and then, you know, focus on, uh, you know, having a great MLR season. And then, uh, you know, once the MLR season's over, you know, we'll see what kind of test matches and stuff Canada has lined up and uh, work on uh, building back up to uh, get to the World Cup in 2027. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, as I said, I don't want this to be a Band-Aid over the systemic problems that seem to be in Rugby Canada especially for the men's team at the moment. I don't, I, I that, honestly don't. That think performance review is, however, uh, for the men's 15s, men's 7s, and women's 7s is set to be done between now and I believe the first quarter of next year. So hopefully. Yeah, I can't can... remember what they said, but yeah, I guess they're doing one. Neither can I. But And and of course, if anything we've known from COVID is that dates can change in a heartbeat. So, mm-hmm. but, you know, I'm, you know, I'm obviously thrilled for the, players that they were able to get the win able to end the year on a somewhat high um i think it's only now a month or so until preseason starts for mlr so get the rest lads and uh we'll see you in uh on february 5th as the uh mlr season kicks off However, uh, the men's team weren't the only team out in Europe. It was also Canada against the world number ones, England. And uh, unfortunately, that wasn't a a shutout, unfortunately, for Canada. That was a very uh, impressive performance by the Red Roses. Um, England 51, Canada 12. Um, So there were tries from Paige Farries and Sabrina Poulin and only one conversion from Brianna Miller all happening within the first half. 
Um, Canada kept it close in the first half, but then second half, you know, there's a reason why they're the world <laughs> number ones. Um, England yeah, cause, just because they they're slaughtering teams. That's... Yeah, you know, it, well, at least you can say, well, it's not just Canada. It was like the Black Ferns as well. Yeah. I'm sure the USA are going to be put to the sword next week as well. So you'll be like, yeah, well, it's not just us. Um, and, you know, speaking of that, um, Ireland put uh, a good performance up against uh, the USA as well. And um, even uh, the French women beat the Black Ferns as well. And, you know, 30, this is the 38 thing. 38 to 13, too. Like, exactly. So this is the thing, is that while COVID has been going on, the women's six nations has still been happening, which means that these six teams are still having game time. They're still having training. They're still preparing for these games, and they've just had more time together. Remember, Canada um, had their first game in two years on November 1st. That's yeah. you know just over two weeks ago. So I think the overall plan was the like, damage limitation as opposed to an outright victory. Although um, even the England head coach was very um, humble and said, you know, this Canada team is completely different from playing the Black Ferns, even though they are ranked above Canada in the world rankings. Um, they said that in the comparative time um, of, I think, about 20 or 25 minutes into the game against uh, Canada, the previous week, England had put 21 points against the first the Black Ferns. The first half of this game was really tight. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. As in, it just was a case of, I think at halftime, it was something like 23-12 or something like that. So, you know, yeah, a, they, a try either side could have really made the difference for Canada. Well, I think that's the thing, right? Is like England scored a try at the end of the half. Um, it was Cowell. Cowell got a try at the end of the half, and then Byrne got her second try of the game, like really early in the second half. And it's like you, you know, it's uh, you know, giving up two tries like on either side of halftime. I think that's what sort of like swung the momentum. And then obviously the second half, the floodgates just kind of opened. I think though, too, like probably important to mention for Canada, like. Um, some of their best players or some of their talented, really talented players, especially, you know, Sophie de Goody were, were absent because they were playing at the youth uh, sports uh, women's uh, rugby championship over the weekend too. Right. So there's yeah. a couple, couple players from the squad that were missing. Um, but, you know, ov- overall, like you said, like the, f- the first half was really good. Right. Um, Paige Ferries too, like the, the defense, like that was a great read, um, to kind of, you know, obviously intercept that ball and then, you know, speed to burn once like speed to burn. Right. Like when, once she caught that, like there was no there was no catching her. Right. So that was a that was a great try. Pool in, obviously, another not really nice, well-worked try, too. Um, and, you know, so it's like like Ken was playing well. Right. And it's like they were doing well at the ruck. They were doing well at um, they're doing very well in the set piece, too. Right. They got like. They were, uh, you know, getting pen. They were winning penalties against the feed on England, right? Like the number, the number one team in the in the world, right? And they were like destroying their scrum. So um, that I think is that that is a, I think is a huge positive. 
um, that they can definitely carry forward into, uh, you know, in, into the game against Wales coming up this weekend, but also just kind of like, you know, it's, you know, I, I think with uh, knowing that the Women's World Cup is coming up next year, right? It's like all these games kind of feel like they have like that little, there is that little bit of like that World Cup, like kind of feeling out thing. So I think part of it is like, oh, hey, like for Canada, especially you can go like, oh, hey, like we can, uh, like we, we have an edge on England in the scrum right now, right? So it's, you know, you do have to kind of turn that around and be able to, uh, you know, prevent them from putting up over 50 points on you. But um, yeah, but like, I don't know, like, I know you, you mentioned that um, like the six nation countries have been playing and uh, but I still think like this is a pretty big um, been a pretty big like message sending month for the red roses though like they've they pummeled the the black ferns back to back right 43 to 12 56 15 so that's the number two ranked country in the world and then Canada's the number three ranked country in the world is right and uh, they just beat them 51 to 12. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you know, I mean, you're putting up almost putting up almost about 150 points in three games on the number two and number third three ranked team in the world. Right. So um, I know I know I know, as you said, it's like maybe there's a maybe they haven't other countries haven't played as much as England. But like, you know, it's a it's a pretty big I think being pretty much exactly one year out from the world cup. It's a pretty big, uh, it's been a pretty big like message sending November for uh, the red roses. So it's, there's, there's some work to be done. If you uh, want to be lifting a trophy this time next year. Well, the fact that you mentioned that Sophie de Goody um, was back in Canada, as opposed to um, <laughs> competing in um this test match against England. I was going to say, should, should we just talk about that game now? Might as well segue right into it. Let's. Well, the, well, one thing I wanted to mention is that yeah. Um, so while the men have finished, Canada will be playing um, against Wales women. That'll be um, held on this coming Sunday. And if you want to watch that, it'll be on the TSN app or TSN.ca, possibly on one of the TSN channels. But at the moment, it's definitely going to be online. So. Ms. DeGoody, um, what was she up to? Well, she was in the U Sports Championship, uh, part of Queen's women team up against Ottawa. And of course, if you got DeGoody on your team, you're going to get the <laughs> winnie. So um, was, Queens defeated that was, Ottawa 26 18. I don't care. I was just, oh, I, I don't know if I can let that one slide. That was bad. That was bad. If you get the good, you get the win. There you go. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, Jaden Walker won uh, the game with a match-winning try. Uh, DeGoody uh, was the championship MVP as well as the U Sports Women's Player of the Year. Uh, Mad- Madeline Kusher was the Queen's top performer with Claire Gallagher being Ottawa's top performer. Um, I only saw um, segments of this game as it was posted on the U Sports um, social media feeds. Uh, but Derek, I'm guessing that you saw this entire final yeah yeah i watched uh i watched i did watch the the final um so sophie de goody might genuinely be the most entertaining rugby player in the world right now um and yeah like this this was basically like there's a reason why she's the championship mvp player of the year um 
she was direct like directly involved in all of like in and the all the queen's tries she had the two try assists score to try herself um right and i mean like it's did you see her try i know you said you saw clips because it's like a forward yes. sh- yeah this, you yeah. did yeah i saw her try yeah like a forward should not be able to do that um which is this, this right. isn't a forward this is sophie the good i know exactly it, it's it's mind-boggling like um, you kind of watch, like, like I said, it's like you look at the game that she had, right? So she she has a try herself. She helped set up the um, the first try. She helped set up um, Walk Walker's try, which eventually went, uh, which as the way it kind of turned out, eventually it was like the final um, try. The goody added a couple penalties for some insurance after, um, but. You know, so she sets up, she sets up two tries, scores a try herself, um, kicks the, the conversions and the penalties. But like her try too is just, you know, I don't think there's too many teams playing defense that are like, oh, the number eight is going to try a grubber kick from ten meters away from the try line, and just you know sneaks it through, chases onto it, and grounds it herself. Grounds it like, think of like how like crazy it is to be like in this game you watch the number eight do a grubber kick from like 10 meters out ground it and then gather the ball walk back and kick the conversion herself too right like it's uh it's like it, it, it's amazing right like i think i think you kind of look at like we, we got like the um the player some of the player of the year nominations for world rugby came out and i'm like you kind of look at it it's like mero toje is not gonna do that ever um i don't you know what i mean like he's not gonna do that um like you know what i mean anton dupont's not getting up in the line out um you know what i mean like you know karevi um i don't know maybe he'll do something i don't know if he plays more than five games maybe he maybe he does adventure into doing some of this stuff but um right but it's like and who's the other forward michael like yeah who like hooper's not yeah yeah like hooper hooper's not like doing any of this either right um and you know it, it's uh like this this game is uh if you haven't one i would highly recommend watching it it's basically an 80 minute sophie to goody highlight reel barring maybe the um the one kick that was charged down by ottawa and resulting in um ottawa's first try of the game minus that that tiny blemish um but it's like yeah like she like watching watching her play it's kind of it's like i don't know how, like it'd be interesting because it's like i don't know how you defend it that well like if she's like because she plays like eight has all the skills that you want out of an eight can can jump up in the line out um unreal work rate great at the breakdown she's getting she was like you know she's getting turnovers and stuff um throughout this game too um so great in the breakdown does everything like good like you know with ball in hand great ball carrier that does all that that you want out of the number eight but then she's got like the distribution ability of a fly half um she's got the kicking ability of a fly like you know what i mean she's like you know like it's just such uh like a bizarrely like such a well-rounded game that i don't think like there is really replicated by any other player in the world because nobody yeah. like and it, it creates a really interesting thing for like well for queens or for um or for canada right because it's like i don't know how many other teams have seen a player like this 
right and it's like if you yeah, it's, it's hard to like, prepare against yeah exactly it's hard to prepare against something that it's right like you kind of look at like watch this game and stuff and it's like you know when she gets the ball it's like you can see like the hesitation of defense is being like you know what i mean like hey like like we're kind of like talking about like the men's t- team sometimes and it's like you know well it's like if uh like you know the eight gets the ball it's like it's probably just running into contact Right. And it's like when the goody gets the ball, you're kind of like, well, she could run into contact or she can throw a 25 meter cutout pass to the winger. Like, yeah. or she could grubber it through. And it's like, we have, don't know what we're defending against right now. Right. Um, and I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things that it's like, it makes you like really like, I mean, going into a World Cup next year and stuff. Like, it makes, I think, I think she's the type of player that kind of makes you like really really excited to be a Canadian rugby fan. And I think it'll, I think it'll be a, it'll be fun to watch. Like there's it's, it, it's super entertaining. Like, I feel like if you were to, uh, if you want if you were like, I'm going to design a perfect rugby player, it's like, this is probably like, you're probably just copying what like Sophie, the goody brings to the table because like it's, it's, she's a forward that has back skills and she uses both equally brilliantly throughout a game so that's uh could uh future future nightmares for all uh defense coaches around the world yeah future women's player of the year definitely player of the year period yeah period yeah okay we're gonna move from U sports uh we're gonna head out west for the final time because it was the final weekend of the coastal cup and i know everyone wants to talk about the big game that's right ubc defeated tied 31 to 20 and in the pseudo final i suppose we'll call it um it went to the wave who won 26 to 17 to lift the coastal cup for the first time which interestingly is not a cup it's a uh it's similar to the design that is used for the uh sevens i believe it's a thunderbird that's of uh indigenous yeah it's like the, the totem pole yeah, yeah. but it's not it- a cup so it looks it looks super cool though. It looks great, but it looks it's not great. a cup. I uh, no, I um, love I love the design of the trophy. I think that's exactly what like the coastal cup needs. Like that is that is a perfect trophy. I loved it. Um it's a great trophy, but it needs that you need to be able to pour beers in it and then drink out of it. Who says you can't? Uh physics. So oh I don't know. I, I actually don't know. I didn't see it. I'm sure somebody figured it out. Um, it's a rugby team. They figured it out. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but no, an absolutely um, great performance from the Wave to go unbeaten in this inaugural season. Um, we're hoping for great things next year, you know. And of course, um, congratulations to Curry Hitchborn because um, when he was on the show, he was talking about getting this competition set up. And not only has it been set up and run, it's been run very successfully. Um, we're hoping that you know more success will be coming uh, when it's run again next year. And to be honest, with the um, well, the Women's World Cup taking place in New Zealand, it may be the only uh, rugby competition that will be available at an accessible time in Canada. So you never know. Um, but again, congratulations to the Wave. Well done to the Pride as well for making um, making it to the final yeah i suppose of um losing only to um pride uh the remaining standings of uh 
UBC um, were tied with the Pride, only losing out on a very small uh, different uh, point difference was only 12 between the Pride and UBC, and try difference was only two tries. So yeah. it's like those thin margins that just put UBC third. Uh, Van East had a even season, three wins, three losses on 16 points. The Tide, two wins, four losses, left them on 10. Uvic, uh, one win, five losses, left them with eight. And Trinity Western, unfortunately, were uh, whitewashed uh, with six and zero points, which is a shame. But here's hoping that next year they can come back and hopefully they'll have a better performance, to put it nicely. <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, yeah like, I, I think overall, I mean, like, you know, we had we had Curry on the podcast, you know, earlier and mentioning, you know, how much he thought that this this competition was needed. And I think, you know, I, I, I think the first year of it went exceptionally well. Um, you know, the uh like you said, it was it's a it was a round robin tournament that, you know, just because, you know, I guess the rugby gods saw us put it in the cards that it ended up being that what we essentially got to see on Saturday was a championship game between the Vancouver wave and Pacific pride. And it was a very entertaining game. Um, you know, it's, it kind of went like, I think a lot of games for the wave have kind of gone where they were just, you know, as the six and O record indicates, they were just the better team. Um, you know, from, from, from the jump, uh, Mike Maloney, uh, you know, had three penalties, uh, you know, in quick succession, the, you know, get them off to a quick, uh, nine, nothing lead. And then, you know, he, Maloney also helped, you know, set up a uh, Powdrill's try as well. Right. So there was, you know, and, uh, you know, showing, showing all the reasons why he's the leading scorer of the tournament too. And, you know, so that like, it, it was a, it was a really good game uh, you know, and then obviously kind of the pride kind of made it made it super interesting towards the end um, with uh, two late tries within the uh, the final 10 minutes of the game. But um, but, you know, like sometimes, uh, you know, in rugby, like if you let you let a team get up, you, you know, to a nine nothing lead really quickly, like that's kind of, you know, that, that's a pretty big hole that you have to kind of climb out of, especially, you know, looked like a looked like it was a little bit wet out there, too. Right. So. You know, it was, it was a good physical contest again. Um, we kind of did mention, I know we mentioned earlier, um, the uh, the Vancouver Wave and, you know, the Vancouver Rugby Union. Um, you know, they lost one of their one of their teammates earlier in the year, uh, Dan Wigley. And, you know, they were, they honored him all year with nobody wearing five and they kept the five jersey on the sidelines. And it, uh, you know, so, and then obviously they put in, you know, obviously there's a little bit of motivation there. Right. And they put in an unreal six and O performance. Um, the, the, you know, first season of the coastal cup and we already have an undefeated grand slam champion of it. So um, brilliant performance from, from them. Nice to see, you know, all the players kind of rally and uh, you know, be able to put together such a phenomenal, phenomenal season for them. And, you know, I I thoroughly enjoy like all the, all again all the Coastal Cup games are still up on YouTube. Like if you have not had the chance to kind of watch it, there's obviously university teams in, in this competition as well. So like you know guys that could potentially be eligible for like the MLR draft next year. There's guys that 
are already signed by MLR teams. The Pride has a bunch of guys that are already signed by MLR teams. Van East had a couple guys signed by MLR teams, right? Like if you know what I mean. Like if you, if you're in the MLR, you're interested in seeing like some, where some of the next wave of players might be coming from, right? Like the the Coastal Cups, an awesome place that um to you know to see some of that talent, right? And you know, all the games are on YouTube. Like, go check it out. Yeah. The final, the final, if you haven't watched it, it is a really great game. Um, I have, I guess if you haven't watched it, I just kind of spoiled the uh, the outcome for you. <laughs> but like, you know, this is a news podcast. So, I mean, we should, uh, we assume that you, um, we assume that you've at least maybe possibly know the results. But I would, yeah, definitely, you know, go check it out. Go watch, go watch all the wave games. And like, they, they kind of, I mean, they, they were the best team. Like they were clearly the best team when you look at it through the, uh, the course of all six of all six games. Right. And their record shows, you know, the record is, you know, the, the record shows, right. So, yeah. you know, six, six and oh, the first, um, the first, the uh, coastal cup champions, Vancouver wave. Right. So it's, you know, yeah, just congratulations to the Vancouver Wave, everybody in that organization, and congratulations to all six or all seven teams and all you know everybody that was involved in uh, the first year of the Coastal Cup because it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, it's something that you know, as we've kind of seen, like this, you know, I think I think a lot of uh, topics of conversation over the past month have been like what Canada needs to do in order to kind of for at least for the men's national team to kind of dig dig themselves out of the hole that we uh, currently find ourselves in right and i think you know introducing some of these competitions like the coastal cup i think is something that that does need to be done right and it's it's great to see the the first year kind of you know was a success and it was enjoyable it was nice to see like it was nice to see even as the game was happening like you know people tweeting about it people following along with the games and you know, the, uh, it looks like, like too, like even like seeing like the schools accounts and stuff, like for the teams that are affiliated with schools anyways, like, you know, like not just like the rugby team's Twitter accounts, but the main like school accounts and the main school feeds were, you know, putting out there that like their teams were playing in the coastal cup and, you know, people kind of kept talking about it. I saw, you know, Patrick Johnston, um, at rising action on Twitter, like, you know, one of, you know, he recovers the Canucks and, a lot of rugby um, in BC and in Canada. Right. And, you know, it's like, but like the fact that he covers the Canucks too, is like, that's a, like he has a, a huge audience that extends beyond rugby and he's talking about the coastal cup on, on his Twitter feed. Right. So that's, that's obviously a great thing to see as well. Um, just kind of, you know, grow the profile of, of the game. And, you know, I, I hope that this, this competition continues going forward. Cause I, I really, I really enjoyed what they put together in their first year. And, you know, I, I'm already looking forward to uh, the wave being given a chance to uh, defend the title next year. So um, as I said, congrats to the wave, congrats to everybody involved with the squad and congrats to everybody involved with the coastal cup this year. Cause uh, it, it was a lot of fun. And I think we, uh, we need to see, I think we need a little bit more of this, uh, this type of competition uh, in Canada and, you know, it'll, I can't wait. I, I hope uh, it, I'm excited to see how it grows going forward. Yeah. A few uh, other details is that uh, Brian Fitzpatrick scored the most tries with uh, six for Van East. But as you mentioned, like Mike Maloney uh, scored three tries. He scored 12 conversions. He also scored nine penalty goals. So therefore no surprise that he 
with the highest point scorer of the competition with 66 points. Mm -hmm. Um, Then Brian Fitzpatrick, as I just mentioned, has on 46. Um, Mark Belaski as well. And yeah, like you mentioned, there are some names from the Pride that are going to be heading over to MLR. So, for example, uh, James O'Neill, who was drafted for LA, scored the final try of the match. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a... um, you know, it's a good resource to have for men's Canadian rugby. And we, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing how it grows next year. So we actually are going to mention some other MLR uh, trading and signing news because uh, Dallas have been uh, very busy this uh, past week. Uh, we were talking about uh, the Pacific Pride earlier. Uh, Dallas have signed uh, DeWald Dewey Kotze, um to join Dallas for next year from the Pride. Uh, Dewey, as he's known, is... Uh, Canadian eligible. I believe he's um, played for Canada in the under 20s. Again, I probably should have researched this. Um, But uh, from LA, uh, Dylan James will be joining Dallas. Uh, From my old team, the Ospreys, uh, Todd Gleave is joining Dallas as well. And recently announced was the trade from Rugby ATL is Adrian Calze you know, very uh, popular player for Rugby ATL, did uh, a lot of work to help get the team to the uh, MLR final of 2021. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Adrian does in Dallas. Now, uh, in New England, uh, they've got a signing from the Celsie Sharks is LaRue Milan, who's joining them. But I think probably the biggest signing news of the week is that Houston have signed from the USA Sevens Christian Dyer. You know, Christian was originally drafted to be with um, Rugby United New York. He then opted to try and join the USA Sevens teams for the Olympics. And when he was unsuccessful, he got the call from Gary Gold to come over for the uh, European tour of the summer and has been uh, involved in the team through the uh, qualification process, both against Canada and against Uruguay. Um, so, you know, he's obviously a very good player, um, but, you know, he gets to have a season of MLR action, which I'm sure um, Rugby United New York would be a bit miffed that uh, he didn't choose them. But, you know, he's needed where he's needed. And, uh, you know, obviously we've been saying that Houston are going through a rebuild in this offseason at the moment. And I think uh, Dyer ha- definitely has the uh, credit. Um, capabilities of making a big impact at uh, the Aviva Stadium. So, yeah, here's hoping that uh, we see him put in a great performance from February 5th onwards, except when he's playing against uh, Toronto. Then he can have an off day. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> okay. okay, so if you want to watch any rugby this weekend, the English Premiership is still going on on Sportsnet. Uh, the Autumn Nation Series is in its final weekend. That will be on the zone. And as we said, for the Women's International, including... Uh, the USA versus England and Canada versus Wales. That will um, hopefully be on a TSN broadcast channel, but um, it will definitely be on tsn.ca or the TSN app. All right, we are going to end the podcast there. If you enjoyed listening or watching this episode, you can follow us on any um, podcasting channel. We're on um, Anchor FM as well as Spotify and on YouTube. 
And if you want to get in touch with us over social media, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at LaRouge Rugby. Derek, if people want to contact you on social media, where should they go? Uh, yeah, please find me. It's the uh, the same the same act across all social media platforms. Just Brissette the Jet. Um, you can basically find me anywhere. So. All right. Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is Hardman, spelled H4RDMAN. That's Hardman with H4RDMAN. Well, Derek, thank you for joining me for another episode. And thank you for joining us for this episode. And we hope that you'll join us for the next one. <laughs>